Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. This morning, I have the privilege of wrapping up our current teaching series, which is that very long title you see there on the screen. Um, five lessons I wish I'd known as a younger person to help me live wisely, know truth, live courageously, love Jesus, and thrive in life. Um, the impetus for this teaching series is because there's a certain child in our family named Luke who turned 12 this last week. Um, in many cultures, that is when someone becomes a man or a woman. Um, these lessons, though, have not only been for 12-year-olds. I don't know if you've noticed that as you've been listening along the last five weeks. Um, it's not too late for any of us to start taking these lessons to heart. Um, over the past five weeks, we have heard foundational life lessons about faith, um, about living courageously and boldly. We heard a lesson about temptation that if you didn't get to hear it, Go back and listen. I'm still thinking about that one. We heard a great message about love and how Jesus loves us through the woman at the well. And last week, uh, if you were able to tune in, Ross spoke about friendship and the importance of choosing our friends wisely. So I encourage you to listen back to the podcast if you were traveling like we were this last month and maybe not around. Um, there's some really good nuggets in there for you. Um, growing up in Bucks County, one of the favorite summer things I grew to love, which I'm sure many of you have, is going down the shore. Um, for summers on end, I've spent long days and several weeks on the Jersey Shore, multiple summers in a row. Um, this summer's actually been unusual for us in that we had a lot of other travels we were doing, so we had an unusually low amount of beach time. And um, my parents only now live a few miles away from LBI, and so last weekend, with it being Labor Day and the weather was like the perfect beach weekend ever, right? Um, you, I, I, you couldn't keep me away, and Ross knew I needed to go, right? Because Ross puts up with the beach. He's more of like a lake mountain kind of guy, um, and lakes are understandable. He grew up in Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes, but I'm a beach girl, and so we got in, we packed up the kids, and we headed to my parents' house, um, but one of the things that does get my attention, and I get notifications on my phone because I am a weather stalker, um, but there were a lot of rip current statements coming up. And um, that makes me nervous because I do also fear the ocean. I respect it. Like, you know, you don't mess around with the ocean. But it also didn't keep us from going. So as we were driving down to join some of our friends at the beach, we were reminding the kids the importance of swimming by the lifeguard and, and what is a rip current and how you swim out and not against it. And so we kind of went through those lessons again, and we ended up enjoying a beautiful beach day on Saturday. Um, we did sit right next to the lifeguard stand because that made me feel better. Um, but Ross and I were then walking through my parents' neighborhood on Sunday morning, and we saw a woman who appeared to be packing or unpacking her car for a trip to the beach because, again, their neighborhood's like minutes from the beach. And as we passed by, I said hi to her, and I asked her if she was heading to the beach, and, and she said, did you hear about all the rescues yesterday? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you know. We chatted a bit about the rip currents and the rescues, and we wished each other a safe beach day, and along we went on our way. Um, we ended up in the afternoon going to a small bay beach, so it wasn't like there, weren't, there wasn't the waves and the currents and stuff. So felt really good about that 
afternoon at the beach. Uh, but Monday morning when I woke up, some of the first news that I read was about it being one of the most deadly um, weekends at the Jersey Shore in a long time. Three, At least three people drowned. There were multiple rescues up and down the coast by lifeguards. The weather was hot. The water is warm, right? Um, but the ocean was stirred off because there were multiple tropical storms out at sea. So one person that I follow on Facebook, um, he's a Jersey Shore photographer, and he was like pleading with people um, to not swim when the beaches are unguarded because he and another man had been part of rescuing someone on Sunday night once the lifeguards were gone. And so um, here's what his post said. I'm going to turn because that's tiny, but I'm going to come over here so I can read it. Um, He said, this photo down below was taken Sunday one hour before the lifeguards went off duty at Island Beach State Park and all hell broke loose. With the untrained eye, this can look pleasant to be in, right? In fact, you can see how many people were in the water. However, this was the exact same water on the exact same night that after lifeguards went off duty led to four drownings, a broken neck, a missing person, and multiple rescues at the Jersey Shore. This is low tide but rising, and if you look past the shallow water all the way to the big powerful waves, those waves are what is responsible for one of the deadliest nights the shore has seen in quite a while. Those waves are pounding, relentless, and they need somewhere to release their energy. Often they punch holes in shallow tides when the tide is coming back in. Those holes can become flash rip currents, which cause an incredible amount of peril. Please do not take idyllic scenes like this and think you're safe. Fact, lifeguards on duty are the leading prevention from drowning. Also a fact, swimming while lifeguards are off duty leads to the most ocean drownings. Please be safe. So um, that is also public service announcement for all of you, but... um, if you read the comments of, on this, and then he went on to post more about his experience of the actual rescue that he um, was a part of, person after person who has grown up at the shore, lives at the shore, maybe there were lifeguards even commenting, but they emphasize over and over not swimming on unguarded beaches. Guards can literally make the difference between life and death. Last week, Ross taught from Proverbs and reminded us that all of life is connected that there are really only two paths for us to go down, the path of wisdom or the path of folly. And I wonder what keeps us on a path. Guardrails do that, right? Most of Proverbs was written by the wisest person to ever live, King Solomon. And Proverbs is known also for being filled with extraordinary wisdom, but most of Proverbs is also as practical today as when it was originally assembled, which is crazy to think about because it's an ancient text. That so much good advice is packed into this ancient document is all the more reason the following statements I'm going to share with you today should cause us to sit up straight and pay attention. So I'm going to be in Proverbs 4. If you have your Bible with you or Bible app, you can go to Proverbs 4. And we're going to be looking for our foundational life lesson number 5. I'm going to read you a couple of verses before we get there. So this sets the scene for this foundational lesson, okay? So starting at verse 20, it says, My son... Pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now here comes the statement I really want us to all pause and take to heart today. It starts with these words, above all else. Why above all else? The implication is if you forget everything else written in this collection of sayings, don't forget this. Above all else, guard your 
heart. Okay, not our wallets, our Venmo, our PayPal, our investment accounts, our daughters, our sons. It's not saying to guard those things. It's saying to guard your heart. And why guard? So guard in this instance is like saying, keep your heart from dangers. Guarding is a military term. Um, It's a term used for a soldier in front of a castle that's going to do whatever they can to protect that castle from what's coming at it. This statement is in the 66 books of the Bible. And this says here, he could have said guard a lot of things. We see a lot of things go wrong in the Bible, right? But he's saying right here to guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Also, this is really important to note. The scripture doesn't say follow your heart. That's what our culture tells us to do, okay? It says to guard your heart. And I just wonder if you might need to take this statement, this command, seriously. Again, it's like swimming at a guarded beach versus an unguarded beach. If you don't take it seriously, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be, like a rip current. And you may or may not have someone to come and rescue you. You could follow your heart into divorce. You can follow your heart into a dead-end relationship. You can follow your heart into bankruptcy, addiction, maybe even prison. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, if you can learn to guard your heart, you're going to find a life worth living. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, yielded to God, a life full of contentment and the fruits of the Spirit. So... What does it mean to guard your heart? Because you know what? Some of us who grew up in the 90s youth group, it was like, guard your heart, girls. Like what? From like the troublemaker boy sitting next to me? Like this verse has been misused a lot. So I just want to say that. Like it starts with being careful with what you allow in your heart. And do you think about that enough? So here's the next part of this verse. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything. Think about that. Everything we do on the outside originates on the inside. If that's true, then by all means, we should be paying attention to what's going on inside. Jesus actually agrees with this. Later in the New Testament, his version went something like this. You can see it in Matthew 15, verses 18 through 20. He says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. That is quite a list. Any one of these behaviors has the potential to put us down for the count. And according to Jesus, they all originate in our hearts. They come from within. So that being the case, we would do well to guard our hearts. The problem is, for most of us, no one has taught us how to do that. Our entire lives, we've been encouraged to monitor our behavior. But if Jesus is correct... Guarding our hearts may be more important than monitoring our behavior. So the Old Testament book of Proverbs, where we're at, it's filled with guidance related to behavior. But at the same time, it also instructs the readers to get into the habit of paying attention to what's swirling around on the inside because what's on the inside doesn't stay there. So our hearts direct our behavior and our choices reveal what's inside our hearts. Um, Author Lisa Turker shares this. She says, a key indicator of either wisdom or folly is found in someone's reactions. 
While we cannot always choose what happens to us, we can always choose how we will respond to the situations around us. Our choices reveal what is inside our hearts. Since we have a much better chance at having healthy relationships, when our hearts are healthy, let's examine our reactions and our hearts. And she goes on to remind us that in scripture, God says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit inside of you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We serve a God who purposes to give us new hearts so we can live wisely and respond to situations with wisdom and grace. That's really encouraging, right? So today, I'm guessing that many of us can identify some unguarded areas of our hearts. Like right away, you might be like, uh-oh, she's going to go there. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, but I'd like to provide some questions for our reflection to help us examine our reactions and our hearts. Um, and that's so that we can like practically guard our hearts better. Students in the room in the back who are wiggling around a lot, I see you. And I just want to say that if you can learn how to do this now with the help of your parents, who you don't always appreciate helping you, but with your treehouse leaders, with coaches, with teachers who love you, if you can learn to be on the path of wisdom at a much younger age than some of us got on that path, you will be able to avoid traps and snares of the path of folly that leads to destruction. Many people in this room have stories they can share with you all about choices they made at a young age that changed their lives forever, for the better or for the worse. Before we get to the five questions I want to pose to us, I want to see if you can agree with me that we experience life through our five senses. Okay, We receive everything through what we see, touch, smell, taste, and hear. And once received through our senses, we then store things in our mind. The mind stores the thoughts. What you think about, what goes into your mind, then feeds your heart. The heart then stores the feelings, and that determines your outlook and everything you then choose to do. Okay, so it's a very logical, you take it in, it goes here, here, out. Okay, can you go to the next slide that shows a little human? There we go. There it is. Yep. So as humans who have five senses operating all of the time, all of life is connected. And that's one of the things that Ross was reminding about last week. Basically, nothing we do is without consequence. So here come the five questions for you to ask for the rest of your life. These questions, especially if discussed in community, um, with your people, your kids, your house group, your best friend, your roommate. If you practice asking these questions and answering them honestly, I do believe they will help you build a habit of paying attention to what is going on in your heart and the hearts of those you love. Um, the questions we ask ourselves and the people we love, those questions communicate what's important to us. And what we're convinced should be most important to them. So, as a parent, here's an example. With a new school year happening, I have a million questions for my kids when they come home. But I gravitate towards questions about their behavior or performance, starting with, did you brush your teeth? Do you have stinky breath? Did you just, like, spread that breath all over your classmates all day? Brush your teeth, guys, okay? Um, did you finish your homework? Did any teachers have to say your name today? That's my favorite. Because they look at me, and when I say that, they're like, 
how did you know? I'm like, okay, well, let's keep talking about that. Did you clean your room? How did that test go? Um, the, the, right? There's so many questions we can ask kids about, like, behavior. The good news is that when it comes to reinforcing good behavior and excellent performance, we have a lot of help. Teachers, coaches, bosses, friends, neighbors, grandparents, we're all really good at asking these kinds of questions. But when it comes to equipping and motivating our kids and even ourselves to examine and guard our hearts, it's pretty much up to us. Um, the author of the statement in Proverbs says the condition of our hearts is above all else because for our ki- us and our kids, emotional health determines relational health and ultimately leads to behavior and performance. So you see how we're skipping over the questions that are about relational health, emotional health, and we go right to the behavior and performance questions. We have to be careful about that. We must all learn to actively guard our hearts. If you're a parent, someone with influence over kids, above all else, we must teach our kids to guard their hearts for everything they do flows from them, and it will make a difference. So here are five questions. The first question I have for you, we're going to go back to our senses, okay? So when you're thinking about what were those questions Emily said, think about your senses, okay? Who are you listening to is my first question for you. Because if you look at verse 20 and 21, it starts off with, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Here's what I know. As humans, we have feedback bias. When you are deconstructing and you're questioning things, you have thoughts and you begin to read books. You can find podcasts on whatever it is you want to listen to. You can feed those thoughts, and those thoughts grow. Now that idea becomes a belief, and then the belief becomes a conviction. And it might not be true, but you fed it through what you're listening to, and it grew, right? It all of a sudden then can also become a stronghold because you keep feeding it with what you want to hear. Another example is like somebody who comes up to like one of us and is like, I only date losers. Like why? I just want to find a good Christian guy. Like why can't I do that? What's wrong with me? A question I might ask is who are you listening to? Like what's in your Spotify playlist right now? Are you listening to Miley Cyrus? I can buy myself flowers. Super catchy. But do you know that she just went through a divorce because her husband cheated on her with 14 different women? That's the rumor. She won't really confirm it, but she's not denying it either. Is that what you're looking for? I'm not, and I'm not saying, like, don't listen to any music that's fun and catchy. But I want you to be thinking about it is informing you. It is teaching you something, okay, especially if it becomes, like, one of your top songs. You may think I sound like your grandma, but I think I am trying more to sound like the wisest man who ever lived. Um... I also want you to just think about it's not just dating. Like, you guys that love the YouTube influencers and the TikTok influencers, like, they are telling you stuff all day long. They are feeding you content, and you know what that content does for them? It makes them a lot of money. They don't care about what they're teaching children or youth or adults because it's making them money. And do you know what sells? Really bad stuff. (laughs) The controversial stuff is what makes those clicks go higher and higher, okay? Some of you are obsessed with sports and sports radio. Uh, And I know we're in a really big sports season right now. I'm about to kick it off today. But you listen to it. Your emotions are riding the wave of your favorite team. And I dare you to ask the people closest to you about how they experience you after your team loses. Oh, yeah, I know. 
I know, sorry, I went there. Um, when I was little, our favorite babysitter was named Rachel, and she would get us ready for bed, and she would even do part of our family process of getting ready for bed, which was reading a family devotional. It always had a short memory verse in it, and i got to be honest, I can't remember memorizing that verse every night. But this one night, Rachel put a little rhyme with the memory verse, and it actually just so happens to be Jesus' own words to the disciples, and it sounds like this. Be careful what you listen to, Mark 4, 24. She taught that to me when I was like five years old. I don't even know if you were alive yet, Josh. I don't know if you would even remember that. But that verse in that little rhythm has been hidden in my heart for decades. And do you know how many times it's convicted me to turn it off, to walk away? Um, Probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. Um, It matters what we're listening to needs to be good for our hearts. Okay, second question. I know, that was only one, but here we go. Second question is, what are you saying? Verse 24 in Proverbs 4 says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Maybe what we say impacts our heart more than anything else we do. It certainly displays what is in your heart. Remember the words of Jesus we looked at earlier from Matthew, where he says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. You might think, ah, but I really like this friend. Kids in the back, that friend, but they tell those really inappropriate jokes. That's because their heart's messed up. Okay, here's one that I didn't even want to talk about because it's so convicting to me this week as I was working on this. But the question is, do you gossip? Do you talk about people when they are not present? This one's hard for me. This, it's hard because there are certain situations that are full of the juiciest tea. And I have a few people that are really good at enjoying when I serve up the juicy tea. And they're pretty confidential. But I'm also a confidant and a counselor of a lot of you. And I don't want you thinking I'm running around telling all of your business to whoever will listen Learning to be a safe friend that doesn't talk about others when they aren't present, that is still a work in process, in progress for me, okay? Um, Have you heard of the 24-hour rule? What if, after we talked about someone else without them being present, we had 24 hours to go and tell them the same thing we said to someone else about them? What if your DMs and text threads were unsafe for gossip? What if restoration was unsafe for gossip? Talking about people when they are not present. We should do everything we can to make restoration unsafe for gossip. What if we only talked to people, not about people? Again, I'm the first to admit I have some work to do on this. But I want to be known as someone who is unsafe for gossip. But do you know what makes all of this really bad? Your heart. Okay, look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. This includes four-letter words. I know. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So I'm only supposed to speak what builds people up? I bet a lot of us would get a lot quieter. What do you think? I mean, honestly, I would. (laughs) Ah. Also, 
If you can find people like this, you need to make them your friends. Because a person that only speaks encouragement is a person with a good heart. Unless they're a liar. I, I was like in my, I was like, do I even say that line? Because there's a lot of like counseling that, anyway. Um, so where, like somebody who's only ever telling you what you want to hear, that's not a good thing, right? But there's a difference here. Somebody who's building you up, that is, that is different than someone only telling you what you want to hear. Um, okay, so verse, so the next one, the next question three is where are you looking? Verse 25 says, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. Jesus agreed with this too about the eyes. His version went like this in Luke 11, verse 34 and 35. He says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Guard your heart by being careful where you cast your gaze. How often do you get caught on the explore page of TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Google? Some of us get caught there for hours. And I know that because the stats on the average amount of time people spend on social media per day, the hours just keep going higher. And we bounce between at least seven different social platforms, the average human. Thursday night, Ross was at a meeting at church, and I had a book sitting next to me that I was getting ready to start. But first, I just had to post a quick birthday post about my Luke to Instagram and Facebook, which then, because then it shows up in my memories and years to come, and I like to look back and see what I said about my kids every year, because you see how they grow. It was like an innocent enough thing to do, but suddenly, like, an hour had gone by as I watched people respond with birthday wishes and then, you know, one click led to another thing and suddenly I'm reading all these things that I wasn't even going there for or interested in at all, right? And I was like, what just happened to me and my eyeballs? Because in the meantime, like, I'm getting more and more tired and, like, bedtime should have probably happened a half an hour ago. When we're tired, honestly, the last thing we should be doing is picking up our phones. Did you know that our brains are wired to doom scroll? Do you know what doom scrolling is? Okay. And listen, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna tell you what it is if you don't know, but like with an election year coming up, I'm giving you plenty of time to determine to guard your heart against doom scrolling around politics. Okay? Doom scrolling is when someone continuously searches for bad news on a particular topic or topics with no end in sight. It's like the natural inclination to stare at a bad accident. From what we know about the brain, doom scrolling fulfills essential human needs. This includes our basic survival need of safety, as well as quest for knowledge, instant gratification, control, and having numerous choices. The closer we think we are to an answer or understanding a topic we're searching on, the more determined we are to find it. This is not guarding our hearts, so stop it already. That's for me as much as anybody else needs to hear it. Because far too often... We are entertained by the things that Jesus died for. Globally right now, there are over 200 streaming platforms full of content for us to consume. And for some of us, a different version of doom scrolling is watching things like forensic files, true crime shows, serial podcasts, okay? Because 
that stuff sells. Just like we can't keep our eyes off a bad accident, we are like, as a culture, obsessed with crime. And there is so much crime in the world. And if you heard about the Idaho murderer, but it came out through that whole thing that that individual was obsessed with criminology and studying crimes and then ended up committing murder. This really happened, okay? This is why, above all else, guard your heart. It's crazy how this stuff works. Your heart is like your iPhone. It is always listening. So maybe I'm thinking about like a new skincare routine for the collagen loss after 40 or my metabolism slowing down. And all of a sudden I have ads for frownies, Botox, and hormonal supplements from five different companies. My phone is like, oh, you're thinking about that? Let me show you where you can go buy things for that. Um, the, it's like, oh, you like the podcast, Scamanda? Here's another podcast for you. You like Virgin River? Here's another show you might want to watch. And what do we do? We just go click. We don't even think about it. The heart doesn't want what it wants. It wants what it's fed. I might say that one more time. The heart doesn't want what it wants. It wants what it's fed. Little example of that. We actually don't watch a whole lot of network TV because we don't have cable. We're one of those people that cut the cable, but now we pay a lot in streaming. So I don't know. Don't, I don't know. Um, but because of that, we don't see like American Ninja Warrior and America's Got Talent. So this summer we were on vacation and we turned it on and it was fun. The kids were enjoying it. I'm like, oh, it's so nice to like watch and show that we can just like watch as a family. But wouldn't you know that all of a sudden Luke is planning his course to Mount Midoriyama in Las Vegas and Sophie's like scheming about whether she can sing her dance, you know, her way onto AGTV with her best friend. And I promise you there's a reason why I will not turn on a home makeover show in front of Ross. Okay. <laughs> He knows it because the heart doesn't want what it wants. It wants what it's fed. That's why in Ephesians 5, 15, Paul says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. All right, your fourth question coming up here. When do you plan your path? When do you plan your path? Verse 26 says, give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. By planning your path, I mean, when do you set aside time to fill your heart with the things of God? That your time with God isn't just like a method of obedience, but a means to survival. That you would start your day reflecting on the things of God, not just so you're doing the things you're supposed to do and can tell your small group, um, but that so you can actually resist the enemy's attack by reflecting on what is true so you know where to go and can set your destination on the right place. Ten years ago, if you saw a therapist, you were most likely immediately walking out with a prescription for an SSRI medication. This is not being against medication. I'm just telling you how things have changed, okay? Because there's nothing wrong with medication. But today, most likely, you're going to be leaving with instructions to sit and be still, think positive thoughts, meditate, Fill your heart with optimism. Science and secular therapy are now teaching cognitive behavior therapy that actually looks and sounds a lot like prayer. From thousands of years ago in scripture, I can turn to Psalm 119.97 where David says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Or to Romans 12.2 where Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Later on in Philippians 4, he also instructs us to think on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. I know personally that some of you have some of these habits of starting your day in things like the Jesus Calling or reading the Bible recap scripture and listening to the podcast. Some people like the Daily Bread, the First Five app, the Verse of the Day in the Bible app. There are so many ways that you can include starting your day with even just a little bit of scripture. Some of you like to journal. I mean, there's so many ways that I know you guys practice this. But if you don't have something like this to help plan your path, I encourage you to open up the Bible this week. Start in the first chapter of Proverbs. Read a Proverbs a chapter a day for the next month and see what it does for your heart as you fill it with the wisdom of God. Also, registration for our discipleship groups they're going to that's going to be opening up next week and those groups can help you form some of those habits if you're like i don't know how to plan my path i i just really don't even know where to start get in a group we can our leaders can help you with that there's friends here who would love to journey with you and help you get more intentional about planning your path fifth question so we did yeah who what where when this is why do you stray As verse 27 says, do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. If the enemy is going to take you out, what is he going to use against you? If you are stuck and struggling, change your playmates and your playground. If something seems evil, don't poke it. Don't play with it. I'm amazed at how many times I've been hearing from younger generations about their obsession with crystals and manifesting and horoscopes. Yes, this stuff works because it's part of the spiritual world, right? But whatever the demons have to do to get to you, they will. Don't touch that stuff. It is evil. It is demonic. It is wicked. I'm going to get personal here with an example that happened to a good friend of mine just this past week. To set the scene, my friend has a door. We're going to say the door is like right here, okay? And it's a hypothetical door, okay, so go with me here. Um, It's a door that she has closed, she has deadbolted, she has put some major heavy chains across it because behind that door is some really heavy stuff from her past. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about some of the things she's shared with me, okay? That stuff is being worked on in therapy and with Jesus, so it is fading, okay? But just this last week, she had one of those breakthrough moments with the relationship, that she's been in for a lot of years, where she said to this guy, enough, enough is enough. And I swear she said this other times, but she tells me she actually meant it this time. I was like, oh, that's good to know, okay. Um, Because he keeps slithering under that door, okay. And this week when she said it and meant it, I believe she meant it because you know what happened in her DMs not only two hours later, another guy from her past comes in. And then she had like four to six more guys. Like, I'm not kidding you. Within like a day, these guys are showing up and they want to talk to her, right? And and I know the depth of one of the conversations. And I was just like, can you even believe this? You say, no, I'm done. Enough is enough. And this other guy comes, whoop, because the enemy likes us to play whack-a-mole, okay? That's what he wants us doing because that keeps us from guarding our hearts, right? The last thing the enemy wants us doing is guarding our heart. So in summary, be very careful about what you let into your heart. Don't forget these five questions. King Solomon, who wrote these verses, he did not even take his own advice. 
It's like being here at restoration, nodding your heads, taking notes, being like, okay, 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 I got it. I'm going to try to change even something today. Like, but by bedtime, you've already screwed it up again, right? King Solomon in 1 Kings 11.4, we see this. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his what? His heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. We know from Ecclesiastes that Solomon died deeply depressed, in despair. He was the wisest person besides Jesus who ever lived. He had more money than anyone. He had more pleasure than anyone. And he died depressed and in a dark, dark place because he didn't guard his heart. You see, sin wants to take us right back to that website, to that girlfriend's apartment, to that game, that unhealthy friend, that poor communication pattern with your spouse. But when you start replacing those old addresses, those old habits, the friends with new ones, like it's Sunday, let's get to church. Or it's Tuesday, it's time for house group. It's Wednesday, let's get the kids to treehouse. Or you're sitting in the parking lot and that parking lot reminds you of a traumatic thing that you went through with your ex. But instead of texting your ex about it and being like, oh, I'm sitting here and I'm just remembering, it's so hard. Instead of doing that, you text your Christian friend and you say, I really, I'm fighting that urge to text that ex right now, so I'm going to text you instead. I'm going to tell you what happened, right? Or maybe you're going to pause and do a breathing exercise before you yell at your spouse again. Or maybe you're going to pick up the phone and finally call that Christian therapist or counselor and make an appointment. When we are truly replacing the old with the new, filling the old worn out spaces of our heart with the new things God offers, that's when we start really moving beyond monitoring our behavior and we begin guarding our hearts so that we can live wisely and have healthy relationships that look more like Jesus. So I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to end our service today with a final song and communion. Don't worry, we didn't forget. Um, I wanted to do communion at the end because I want us to really take a minute to be thankful for Jesus because Jesus is unlike Solomon, okay? Jesus was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. And not only did he not sin, but it says in Hebrews, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are to consider or to remember Jesus. And he invited us to do that by partaking in this meal. And we choose at restoration to do it once a month. But he, he invited us to remember him who endured such opposition from sinners And in doing this, in remembering this, I am praying today that, like it says in Hebrews, we can take some time to throw off everything, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we will not grow weary and lose heart while guarding our hearts. So as we prepare to receive communion, I want to encourage you not to rush up here today. I want to give you the minute to pause. If it helps you, close your eyes. Consider the five questions we walk through today. Who are you listening to? What are you saying? Where are you looking? When do you plan your path? And why do you stray? Consider the sin that has you so tangled up. And I invite you to join me in prayer. God, we're asking you this morning to reveal those 
contaminated places of our hearts because we live in a world that feeds us a bunch of junk all day long. And we acknowledge that we may have spaces that need a clean out and that need better, more proactive guarding. We thank you that your word helps us in that. You help us. The Holy Spirit helps us. You're here to empower us. So God, will you help us this week above everything else we have on our to-do list? Will you help us to remember you? Will you give us the strategies we need to guard our hearts? It may not be something from all five of these questions. There just may be one that we know we need to take and apply, like as we're leaving this place today. But we know we need to guard our hearts because we know everything we do in our lives comes from them. We need you, Jesus. We are thankful you are the source we plug into each and every day so that we will not grow weary and lose the will to guard our hearts. We receive communion today in remembrance of you. We acknowledge our dependence on you, and we confess ways we have failed to guard our hearts. Will you do as you have promised and grant us clean hearts as we confess the ways we have failed? Will you fill those places with your love? Help us to remember that you love us so much that you sent your son to die for us and our sin, but then to also be the one that conquers all of it by raising again from the dead. We thank you for being God who cares more about the state of our hearts than we can even imagine because of how much you love us and you demonstrated that in Jesus. And now we just pause and we say thank you and we receive communion with a heart of gratitude. In Jesus' name, amen.